Episode 4, NAFTA, China, Iraq, and the birth of MAGA. Hi, this is Peter Navarro, and welcome to Episode 4 of this Taking Back Trump's America special documentary miniseries entitled MAGA and the Red Wave That Never Was. In this episode, I'm going to take you back in my time machine and offer an historical perspective on the three seismic events that would plant the seeds of Donald Trump's 2016 presidential candidacy, along with the seeds of the American populist economic nationalist MAGA movement. The result would be a profound transformation of the Republican Party itself into the party of MAGA and the working class. This documentary miniseries is sponsored by Peter Navarro's best-selling book, Taking Back Trump's America, available today on Amazon. Taking Back Trump's America has become both the blueprint and battle cry for the modern MAGA movement. And our MAGA mission to return Donald John Trump to the White House in the 2024 election. Please buy Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon and support Trump, Trumpism, and the modern MAGA movement. In 2016, President Trump bobbed and weaved and danced his way to victory by running on a populist economic nationalist platform. Along that merry jitterbugging way, the Democrats' vaunted blue wall of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania crumbled. Wall Street gasped, Hillaryites wept, and Donald J. Trump transformed the Republican Party of Champaign, Davos, and Wall Street into the beer joints and state fairs of Main Street. The seeds of Donald Trump's 2016 presidential candidacy, together with the seeds of America's populist economic nationalist MAGA movement, were planted by three major and highly destructive seismic shifts in American economic history. The first, a solid 9.0 on the free and unfair trade Richter scale, was, as we discussed briefly in Episode 3, the North American Free Trade Act signed by President Bill Clinton in 1994. NAFTA would not only jumpstart a massive offshoring of American factory jobs to the sweatshops and maquiadoras of Mexico, SHAFTA, as it would be derisively called, would also catalyze North America's largest mass migration, one involving millions of Mexican campesinos. The role of NAFTA in triggering successive waves of illegal immigration is generally far less understood than the job-crushing impact NAFTA would have on America's manufacturing base. The smack-talking Texas billionaire Ross Perot would describe this blow to American manufacturing as a giant sucking sound in his own 1992 presidential run. Yet, Mexico would have its own version of Perot's giant sucking sound, as El Mexico let its own agricultural trade barriers down under NAFTA, America's highly efficient corn farmers would inundate Mexico with their fertile and literally dirt-cheap exports. While tortillas made with American corn became a few pesos cheaper in the mercados across Mexico after NAFTA kicked in, just like made-in-Mexico automobiles were a little cheaper after NAFTA in the United States, Millions of Mexican farmers would be kicked off their hard scrabble peasant plots right to the curb 
and forced to begin that long, winding, and dangerous journey to El Norte. In a phenomenon known as chain migration, these NAFTA refugees would, over time, be followed by millions more of their family members and relatives, with the help of often rapacious coyotes to facilitate this human traffic, this mass of humanity, come cheap labor, would enter the United States and thereby help to severely depress the wages of lower-income Americans who, disproportionately, were blue-collar blacks and, not without irony, Hispanic Americans. Over time, these negative illegal immigration effects on black and brown and blue-collar America would begin to drive a deplorable's wedge between the Democrat Party and several of its traditional bedrock constituencies. The second seismic event that would help give rise to both a President Donald Trump and the modern MAGA movement was Communist China's 2001 entry into the World Trade Organization. If NAFTA was a stiff jab to the nose of American factory workers, China's seven deadly sins of economic aggression were machine gun bullets spraying across America's heartland. This seven deadly sin combo of cheap slave labor, pollution havens, state-owned enterprises, massive government subsidies, currency manipulation, and counterfeiting and piracy would put further downward pressure on American blue-collar wages, even as it would lead to the loss of more than 5 million manufacturing jobs and the closure of more than 50,000 American factories, a disproportionate share of which were in the Blue Wall and Rust Belt states of the Midwest, where presidential campaigns in the 21st century have come to live or die. Adding insult to injury, the machinery and equipment from these closed American factories would often be exported to the factories of Beijing or Shanghai or Guangzhou. Here's how Democrat Congressman Tim Ryan and Ohio furniture maker Jerry Trehorn Describe this ultimate affront to worker dignity in my 2011 Death by China film. Some of the workers at, at companies, literally their last act at the factory was to unbolt the machine and load it up to be shipped off to China. And I even talked to a fellow down there. They wanted to send him over to China to, to teach the people how to run the machines that they were shipping over there. Uh, he was 63 years old. He said, I only got two more years to go and I can retire, so I'm not going to bother doing it. He said, bad enough they took my job, now they want me to show them how to do it, too. The third seismic event leading to the rise of a deplorable-style American populism was the elimination of the so-called draft in 1973 in the waning days of a Vietnam War pockmarked by widespread anti-war protests. As a practical matter, replacing the draft with an all-volunteer military has meant that the sons and daughters of America's elites will never have to fight in any wars that these elites start. Instead, it is mostly the sons and occasional daughters of our working classes who today serve as cannon fodder for America's endless wars. It is one thing to graduate from high school and join the American military and learn a trade it will serve you well in civilian life. The children of our middle and upper class elites rarely do that. 
It is quite another thing to be shipped out to a foreign war and be shipped back in a body bag or come home with fewer limbs than you left with. The children of our elites never do that at all. In the early days of the Trump administration in 2017, I would sit with Steve Bannon in his small cramped office in the West Wing and talk about these three seismic shifts and how they had helped build Donald J. Trump's rock-solid deplorables base. And by the way, I believe I can speak for all of those in the Make America Great MAGA movement when I say we are eternally grateful to Hillary Clinton for that deplorables moniker she spawned in a fit of elitist peak at a September 9th, 2016 fundraiser. This deplorables moment was one of the greatest self-inflicted political wounds of all time. It was even head and shoulders above Hillary's monumental blunder in announcing on March 13, 2016, that she would shut down all of America's coal mines. Trump would go on to win West Virginia in 2016 by 42 points. By the way, Hillary would later own her declaration of the war on coal as the comment she most regrets. But if she had any political sense, which she doesn't, she would understand that the deplorables gaffe was far more consequential. Hillary's deplorables are indeed the blue wall workers and strivers tossed from their factories by NAFTA and Communist China. They are the blacks and browns in our inner cities struggling to compete against successive waves of illegal immigrant labor. And they are the parents of those children sent to dodge bullets and improvised explosive devices in the endless wars of Bush and Cheney and Obama. They are, in short, the heart and soul and muscle and sinew of the modern MAGA movement. Back in early 2017, when Steve Bannon was senior counselor to the president in the early days of the Trump administration, the walls of his office were ringed with MAGA whiteboards filled with the Bannonite action, action, action we were planning to take on behalf of this deplorables coalition. Through these sessions with Steve, I began to see populist economic nationalism as an iron MAGA triangle. In the next episode of this Taking Back Trump's America special miniseries and podcast, episode five, I will lay out in detail the three key points of this iron MAGA triangle. In the meantime, please help support this programming by going to Amazon right now and buying my Taking Back Trump's America book. Please also subscribe to this Taking Back Trump's America podcast and give it a five-star review. To all those in MAGA-land, and to all of those of you who are trying to understand exactly what MAGA really stands for, I'm Peter Navarro, and I salute you. Look around, or tell me what you see. Every day, more people in the street Too bad, they sent our jobs away In China, they're not workers, they're just slaves 
people wait It's a world of trade and greed And the CEOs get richer And our jobs all move offshore Oh, 